What's up, family? FA Nation, fantasy football draft season, and you know what time it is. Time for another edition of the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells, brothers of the site, and also always down to help you guys do the thing that we all love to do, win in fantasy sports and wagering as well. Boys, what's going on? Hallam, big week for you, man, especially you being in industry drafts. How the heck are you? Doing good, man. Yeah, fishbowl, FSGA, all kinds of stuff going. Uh, I think Noah is about to build an ark up here in the Northeast. It's been <laughs> raining for about four straight days, but uh, everything's going good. And Just remember, Hallam, two by two in case things get bad. That's right. You never know when you have to repopulate the earth. I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah, that was good. That was like a mic drop line. Cells, you know, I can say this to you, Cells. When it came to FSGA last year, when it, with all that you had to do with those live streams, those crazy amount of live streams that you did, it must be a little bit easier for you this year because you've got to kind of take a break, man. I just remember you last year, and this is why Matt Cells is the most awesome tools manager. Check better be in the mail, Cells, when I'm, I say that, by the way. <laughs> That's why, because running these live streams, making sure that you have all the content when it comes to audio, video, even average draft position. Cells, we appreciate it, man. And you are the anchor to why all of our content is able to be seen by everyone. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you did pick the wrong time to have somebody for a check, though, because we just closed. We, we just agreed to a contract on a house. So I'm pretty well broke from here until when I die at this point. So Wow. All right, um, well, you know what, then? We're going to get you some money back if you want to still invest in some fantasy football. Now, how are we going to do this? There are a zillion drafts rolling around right now, but we do have an industry draft participant with us on this podcast. So with that, we are going to use the FSGA Fantasy Football American Conference Draft. Links are all over Twitter, at SiriusXMFantasy. I know it has a bunch of them there. At Fantasy Alarm, we put out stuff based off these drafts as well. But when it comes to the draft itself, a 14-team PPR, we're going to talk with Ryan Helm about his draft. And in his particular draft that also featured our guy Howard Bender, Mama Bird, we're going to talk about some of the strategies we've seen him for. You think that's funny, Ryan, when I call him Mama Bird? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, were you ha as happy when it reached you in this draft 11th overall, you took Aaron Jones. Now, the Packers are one of those teams that a lot of casual players that I've been speaking to are putting into what I call the purgatory player category. They've got some situations going on, kind of like with the Saints. Aaron Rodgers didn't opt out, so we could take that for what it is now. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, and he's going to all of a sudden week one be on the field sporting the Green Bay Packer colors and logo. But, Ryan, Aaron Jones, how did you feel after taking Aaron Jones? Was he an active target of yours by the time it hit 11th overall at your spot? Well, I've definitely been going running back early in every draft that I've done. So I was set to take whoever the best guy was at 11. Uh, I, I was hoping for Zeke, who is dropping like uh, crazy this, you know, this offseason. Uh, he went right before me. So once he was gone, uh, I did feel that Aaron Jones was easily the next best guy uh, the next couple of running backs that went after him were Mixon and, and Cam Akers, who I definitely like Jones ahead of. Uh, you know, the touchdown situation is great. Yes, he has A.J. Dillon, uh, but Aaron Jones has proven 
you know, he's a quarterback, a touchdown maker. He just is, uh, you know, came back a little bit last year, but he had so many in 2019. You knew it was going to happen a little bit, but uh, Jamal Williams is gone. Uh, so you know, that takes him, you know, gives him a little more pass catching. So I was really happy to get him. I have no doubt that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback week one. I just, I feel like we've been on this watch of what is he going to do? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? And nothing's happening. I mean, it's getting too late for something as earth shattering as that to happen. In my opinion, he's not going to host jeopardy. He's not opting out. I don't see him going anywhere else. Like they don't really have another option. He doesn't really have like, I I just can't see like, they're not going to trade him. Uh, I think he's going to be under center. So I'm, I'm all good with Aaron Jones. Yeah. I mean, if you had grabbed Zeke there, that would have been remarkable. I mean, he already did fall to 10, and I don't get the fall for Zeke. It's I not capped anymore, guys. I'm telling like, you right now, I'm watching ADPs like a hawk every single day. Those days in 12-team leagues, by the way, I know this was a 14-teamer. Those days with Zeke going 9-10 are finished. I'm seeing him trickle up to 5-6 in a lot more drafts now. I yeah, know that's where, missed, yeah. that's where he should go. And by the way, uh, I really don't get seeing Alvin Kamara go ahead of uh, Zeke in almost any draft because there's way more questions with Kamara than there are with Zeke at this point. Um, did we all see his his you know output when Drew Brees wasn't under sender last year and they went with Taysom Hill? And then it didn't really get better when Jameis came in and tried to quarterback that offense. So I don't really get the Alvin Kamara love. Uh, to me, he, Zeke should not be going ahead of Saquon Barkley either. I think Barkley's injury is more um, hampering to him than any situation with Dallas right now. Uh, we still don't know how good Daniel Jones is. They've got like 47 wide receivers they're going to have to get the ball to. Um, and and Barkley, I feel like more than any of these guys, needs the explosive play once a game to really get you the points you're used to seeing. If he sits there and gets like three and a half yards and three and a half yards and five yards and whatever, he's just going to plot along and put up like 50 yards rushing and maybe a score. Yes, there's the catching side of it. But again, there's like 47 wide receivers for the Giants now. And Galladay, I'm sure, is going to take up a, a pretty big part of that target load. So I don't understand Zeke going behind any of those guys, even Jonathan Taylor at this point. Right. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, my question for Ryan would be, where were you in the second round with Najee Harris? Were you hoping for somebody else, or were you debating some of the other guys that went behind him, like Antonio Gibson or Eckler or, you know, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Uh, Gibson was probably the other one that I was considering. I really like Harris. I think he's going to come in, and I think he's going to really uh, get the lion's share of the work, not only rushing but receiving. Uh, you know, I think we've seen Mike Tomlin goes with one guy when he has one guy. Uh, he's an explosive college player. So I, I know there's a lot going on uh, online about how bad the Steelers' offensive line is, but uh, I don't think it's quite as bad as it's made out to be. Uh, and I also think the ex- offense is explosive from a passing game, which is going to keep the defenses that just can't stack in the box. So I, I was happy to get Harris. I've taken him a few, few drafts this year. Uh, so it wasn't uh, – I probably would have taken Cam Akers first, but he went a couple of picks before. Got yeah, and I would say that rookie running backs have the have the most chance of success in the NFL because there's less, aside from pass blocking schemes, there's less of a transition to technique 
and schemes and tricks of the trade that they're needed. Like wide receiver is pretty hard to get open against any NFL cornerback, no matter how fast you are coming out of college, no matter how big you are. Um, and so, obviously so quarterbacks. You're in on Travis Etienne based off what you just said? I don't have a problem with him. Um, the problem that I have is that, you know, what we saw out of um, – Oh, I just his name James just Robinson. Is, yeah, I mean, I don't think he did anything to lose his job right last year. So Najee Harris, problem. is that's the my guy. problem with him. Right, Najee Harris is the guy, right? And if Javante Williams wins the role in Denver, he's the guy, and that's a pretty good, um, you know, running system. Etienne gets the benefit of having a former college coach as his, you know head coach in the NFL and being behind, uh, you know, his former college quarterback. So if that's the case, maybe, but I'd rather stick with, I think James Robinson is still going to get the bulk of the carries in that offense. And he is my third running back. And I took him after Travis Etienne in this draft. That's fine though, Ryan. I feel like that that's a good spot to take that kind of. Oh yeah. Oh, I I, I love it. It's the, it's the P and I don't want to listen. I'm not going to call anybody stupid for their strategy because then I look like the idiot if I'm calling a strategy stupid and that person wins and you can shove it in my face anytime you want. But what Ryan did, everybody, just so you know, and again, this was a 14-team league, so there is more blood in this league, so you have to prioritize the running back position a little bit more. But what Ryan did, exactly what he said, he took James Robinson as his third running back. Right. He has the depth behind him. That's fine. That's a and good. And by the way, Kareem Hunt. Did Kareem Hunt go just before or just after you picked? Just after. Okay. So what was I guess what was your view between Robinson and Hunt? Exactly what you said about James Robinson. Like he didn't do anything to lose his job. Uh, I, I think that there, you know, hopefully Travis, uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence just makes the offense that much better. That will open it up for him. That you know, again, not looking at eight guys in the box all the time like last year when they had no quarterback. So I, I just like everything I saw from him. He clearly can handle the load. He's already proven that he can be in every down back. Uh, you know, we don't have to worry about him pass protecting. He, he can do that. It just I liked everything I saw, and as my third, which would be a flex spot, uh, I was all about yeah. it. Yeah, no, getting him as an RB3 was great, especially considering the fact, like we said, he went after Travis Etienne. The guy who took Travis Etienne also took Alvin Kamara, uh, and then Tony Pollard, and then Tariq Cohen, and then Jarek McKinnon. So he's got zero running backs um, at this point, and he also took Kyle Pitts in, like, the fourth round, which is... That's where he's going, though, man. I know, but why? That's where he's going. You know what? I just did. I just did an ADP TV video, and I'm not going to spoil everything I mentioned. But I mentioned where some of these tight ends are going, and I actually am really off of Mark Andrews now, who I'm seeing go in what the early fifth round, in the fifth round, because of guys like Hawkinson and even Kyle Pitts going right after, among some of the value tight ends that I like as well. But just seeing those guys go after. It just makes someone like a Mark Andrews so unappealing to me because with Baltimore, it's really hard to figure out what exactly they're going to do with him. Yeah, I think people are kind of remembering the 2019 Mark Andrews where it was like, you know, getting a lot of touchdowns and he was like Lamar Jackson's only target. 
last year, I mean, he was basically unplayable for a large chunk of the season, if you don't remember. Like, he may have turned out with a decent number of touchdowns. I don't have the number off the top of my head. Seven. They, Seven. They, I want to say at least probably four of them came in two games. Like, he was awful for a long stretch last year. And, I, you know, I, I know it's a new year. They brought in a couple a couple more wide receivers in, in, uh, in the draft and also Sammy Watkins. And let's face it, as much as we like Lamar Jackson and he's dynamic running the ball, he's still not an accurate passer. I mean, he's still a good fantasy he's quarterback. He's like Vic 2.0. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to improve. He is who he is. So I, I'm with you, Andrews. I was on him a few years ago, but I, he is someone who's kind of fallen off my radar. Yeah, and it's good. It's ADP. The whole point of ADP, it's not only evaluating the player himself. It's also evaluating where they're going in relation to where you can find that value. Draft capital in the early stages of your fantasy football draft is everything. And when you're looking at the tight end position, don't feel because all of a sudden, oh, wow, Mark Andrews is there. And now you've seen tight ends go a little bit that you have to respond to a run. There are plenty of tight ends that you can get and not pay a cent for. And guys, if I can shift your focus to our buddy Howard Bender's team, he's a prime example. This is a 14-team league, and he waited until the 14th round to draft Anthony Ferkser. And then Gerald Everett right after. But that's no draft capital right there. I also know that Howard loves Adam Troutman as well. Another guy. No draft capital. I'm not saying swing for the fences with those guys. But the position has some depth. And it's not as top heavy outside of maybe Travis Kelsey. You got your Waller there, Kittle. But then after that, you can get some serious value at the position. Agreed. Yeah. And I know that uh, Howard was none too pleased with uh, Mr. Hallam over here. <laughs> who took Adam Troutman uh, from him. And apparently there have been the text messages back and forth have been sent to the HR department here at FA. Uh, <laughs> that would be the rumor. But yeah, there's plenty of depth at tight end. Like everybody says tight end is super shallow. Okay. For elite guys. Yes. Elite guys, tight end is clearly shallow, obviously. Well, who says you need absolutely elite guys at tight end? Right? Right. You don't. Logan Thomas in the ninth round. That's my guy right there. Robert Tanyan in the ninth round. Uh, Hunter Henry taking a shot on the ninth round. If they can get the ball to him, New England loves their tight end schemes. Like, literally, look at what they did with Gronk and look at what they did with, before he killed two people, Aaron Hernandez. Um, you always Mike had to put Gizicki. that disclaimer in there. Yeah, you had, to, you had to say that. You just had to say that. You do, I you do. Do. I do, because I don't want to, like, dismiss the guy, right? No, like, no. Uh, Jonu Smith taking a shot in the 11th round for the second New England tight end because they like two tight end sets. There's plenty of deep value there. So if you're in a tight end premium league, sure, reach for Kelsey or Waller or Kittle. Like, Jen Piacenti took Travis Kelsey number one overall in her Scott Fish Bowl league. It's a tight end premium league, and he's clearly the best tight end on the board, so... That makes sense. But if you don't get those guys, don't reach. Don't kill your depth elsewhere just to go grab a tight end because you're afraid of, you know. How do you guys feel about Dallas Goddard? Was talking with Adam Ronis, who I believe in his FSGA draft, he acquired Dallas Goddard because, look, man, I'm trying to convince myself to not take the Eagles out of my draft plan. It's very, very difficult, especially Hurts. I'm starting to see Hurts, by the way, move up a little bit more when it comes to ADP. I'm noticing that I've seen him now inside 
a hundred a few times too. So that's something to watch out for. But even Sanders brings some risk to him. The receivers, because Hurts with the completion percentage, that was scary last year. But Dallas Goddard, assuming that Zach Ertz is going to be removed and that's what everybody's saying, that he's going to be traded. Dallas Goddard becomes a name as well and a value. I'm just not fully convinced that he's going to be as productive. And you mentioned Logan Thomas. You get him after, too, and it makes me just want to wait. Hallam, how do you feel about Dallas Goddard? Big fan, big fan. Uh, I, I've liked what I've seen when he's been given the opportunity. Uh, he's, I, think, I feel like he's just younger Zach Ertz, like what Ertz used to be. And here we are on the same team. And, yeah, I mean, Hurts uh, isn't the most accurate passer, but, I mean, that doesn't necessarily hurt a tight end. Uh, I think Goddard is pretty athletic for a guy his size. He has pretty good hands, and when given the opportunity, I think he can put up big numbers. I, I really like him as a later-round target. Yeah, I mean, all we're looking for really from tight ends is to get the targets in the red zone, right? That's where yep. most of their scoring is going to come from. And Goddard, for most of the last two years, had more targets, if not the same amount of targets, as Ertz when they were on the field at the same time. So now that, you know, Ertz is, you know, fading a little bit, he's probably going to get traded. Sure, let's go with, and by the way, when a young quarterback gets in trouble, who do they look for? Their tight end. Yes. So that benefits Goddard as well. Want to shift from the tight end position back to the running backs because Howard, and I've seen this in a few of these FSGA drafts throughout the week, Howard decided third overall to take, at the end of the day, took Nick Chubb. Now, this is not the first draft that he took Nick Chubb third overall. As we've been talking about for the last few weeks and even throughout the episode, there are a lot of risks in the first round. Kamara's been mentioned. Saquon Barkley has been mentioned as well. So with that, how do you guys feel about Nick Chubb as a top four draft pick? I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I'm frankly surprised I didn't see him go with Derrick Henry. That's where I would uh, go. Knowing how much he loves Derrick Henry and there's no sign of slowing down there and that system loves to run Derrick Henry. 300 carries. I'm still feeling it. But I can't I can't necessarily fault him for taking Nick Chubb third overall. I mean, the volume's there. He's clearly productive whether Kareem Hunt plays or not. Um, getting a healthy Odell Beckham back only helps the running game because it's somebody else they can't stick in the box on defense because um, you have to cover Odell Beckham. So I don't I don't have a problem with it. They love to run the ball in, in Cleveland. We saw that last year. They ran the ball like, I mean, as much as we know Tennessee loves to run the ball, Cleveland is right there with them. So I can't fault the pick. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't fault it. I wouldn't have done it. I think I put Travis Henry over him. I'm sorry, Derrick Henry over him. And I think I still put Travis Jonathan Taylor over him. That's a name from the past. <laughs> Remember him Bill's and the Bills running back? back. Oh, my yeah. God. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, I had that guy a couple of years. <laughs> so, Derrick, I think I put Taylor over him, too. But, you know, I got a question the other day about Chubb, and I was, I was telling somebody to take him, and they're like, even with Kareem Hunt there, like Kareem Hunt's been there for like three years. Like yep. it doesn't matter. And you know, they, yes, Kareem Hunt is going to get his, but it doesn't mean Nick Chubb doesn't get, you know, great stats. He's a touchdown machine. Like when he's in the red zone, that's who they're giving it to. And he's a bull when he gets down there. Like you, you, he's just so hard to wrap up and take down. Like I, I love him. Yeah, I don't hate to pick third overall. I probably wouldn't do it third overall, but I, you know, 
you got to get your guy sometimes, and that's clearly Howard's guy, and go for it. Yeah, they're, they're, you should not question the Browns' situation when it comes to the running backs. Right. Vegas, Arizona, question the hell out of them because we don't know what the hell's going New on. New England. But New England, fine. Oh, my God. New Stay England away every from New year. England. Do New England. Draft New England. San Francisco. Although, Ryan, you came on alarm after hours last night and you told us that you think that Mostert will still have that edge over Sermon, even though some of the reports that we're reading are indicating that it could be a 50-50 split. So, Ryan, you seem as someone who roots for the 49ers to have that situation marked a little bit, but that's still something that, based off where both of these players are going, that's something that we're going to have to take into consideration as well, Ryan. Big, a lot of confusion with your 49ers, even at the QB spot. Yeah, uh, it, I think Kyle Shanahan really likes to troll the media. I mean, if you were paid attention around the draft time on who they were going to draft, Mac Jones or, or Justin Fields, or, or tra- like it just seemed like he was just having so much fun, like making people freak out about what they were going to do. Uh, I, I do think there's room for both of them. I mean, they run the ball more than most teams, and they're really good at it. They have a good offensive line. He has a good scheme. Uh, you know, does things to, to get the ball into guys' hands with, with space in front of them. Uh, I, I, I think Mostert will still get the carries. And this, of course, we have preseason. We have to see preseason. That could change things. If Sermon comes in and he's just blasting through everything, then obviously, you know, that'll bump him up the depth chart. But, uh, you know, like we've mentioned a couple times before, we have to see about pass protection because that's really important, especially for a rookie running back, especially with a fragile, you know, quarterback or, a, you know, a rookie if, if Lance happens to be in there. Uh, but I like what I've seen from Sermon. I think he'll have more of a pass-catching role from the start, and we'll see where it goes. I, I think you know that def- situation definitely can be fluid with, with how it goes because uh, Shanahan certainly is uh, is ready to, to ride the hot hand. I mean, we've seen that before. We saw it last year. You know, oh, Jeff Wilson had a great week. Oh, next week they handed it to somebody else, and everybody got pissed off. So, hmm. like, it, 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 it's definitely a tough situation. I took Sermon as my fourth running back in this draft. Again, I felt it was was low risk in the eighth round, but you know, just from the scheme, someone in San Francisco is going to be fantasy relevant. Maybe two guys. With with that, guys, let's get to the family table. We each bring something. Could be anything. Could be imaginary food if we really want to. Could be Manti Teo and his imaginary girlfriends if we want to. So it's anything that we want, guys. So I'm going to start us off here. Because we are in the NBA Finals, and I got to give my props here. I am bringing the Phoenix Suns, the entire team, to my family table. I can't see the Bucks. Do not blame Giannis. They and the Suns continue to lose depth pieces as well. First, they lost Dario Saric, and now looking at Tory Craig with his knee. So with that, guys, it still doesn't matter. The Bucks threw everything they can at the Suns in these two games. The Bucks may steal one of the next two games. That can absolutely happen, but I originally had the Suns in six. Now I'm starting to feel the vibe of the Suns in five, and it's damn great to see that Chris Paul is just two games away from winning a title. He deserves it. He's the opposite of Kyrie Irving. People want to play with him, and he makes his teammates better. No ego attached to that. Yeah, he flops. Everybody in sports flops when they get the opportunity to. So you know what? That's just how it goes. So with Chris Paul and the Suns two games away from winning the title, I'm sorry, Milwaukee Bucks fans, you're blowing another opportunity. You need DiVincenzo. You need more somehow, some way. It's not going to work against this Suns team. They're locked in. Yeah, How you bring? What would you say, Sells? I'm sorry. They've been really fun to watch. Uh, oh, yeah. They play a great, uh, let's put it this way, team version of basketball because a lot of teams just 
play the ISO game, and then if it doesn't go, oh, we'll just take another shot in like 24 seconds when we get the ball back. We're seeing uh, more of that now in today's NBA, which I like. But right. Milwaukee gives up the three too much. Milwaukee is too focused. They give up the three a lot. And if you're going to give up the three, you got to contain DeAndre Ayton in there. So if you're going to give up yeah. that three, you have to do it. But you can't give up both and expect to win. And yes, even if Giannis scores 35 points, this team loses. They can't match up with Phoenix Cells. What are you bringing? Also an interesting fact, uh, 10 of the 16 players on the Phoenix Suns roster were not born the last time they made the NBA Finals in 19. And, 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 here, and here's an other interesting fact for you, Mr. Schwabby Cells. Everybody's going to get their first ring, no matter who wins. Okay, hmm. here's another one, Cells, that I've got for you. Tory Craig, who just got hurt on the Suns, is actually eligible to win a ring no matter who wins the finals because he spent a few months on the Bucks before, which I think is complete BS. And if you're Tory Craig on the Suns and the Suns lose the finals, you really want the ring anyway? I wouldn't. I wouldn't at all. It's, it wasn't Probably my team not. that won the title. My team lost to the team that won. So I found it funny that he's eligible to win a ring no matter what. Yeah, How do you like that, Chelsea? That's a good one. I did. I was unaware that he was traded midseason. Um, I'm not sure. I think it happened once several years ago in the MLB where a guy was traded from the team that his new team met in the World Series. But it doesn't happen very often. But, yes. <laughs> um, what I'm bringing to the table is this. Uh, baseball is still happening. So I what? know we just spent the entire podcast talking about uh, NFL drafts and draft strategy and whatnot. But MLB is still happening. The All-Star break happens early this week. Tune in to the Home Run Derby. You will get to see an absolute unicorn of the sport in Shohei Otani. Man has hit 32 home runs already this year. That's already broken Hideki Matsui's record for most home runs in a season by a Japanese-born player. So every additional home run that Otani hits this year is wow. going to continue to raise the record. Here's the other impressive fact. According to the Angels hitting coach, Otani has not taken batting practice once the oh entire season. <laughs> and the man has 32 bombs. Okay. You get to see Shohei Otani go up against Juan Soto at Coors Field in a home run derby. It's going to be very fun to watch. You also have Pete Alonso, I believe, is in there. Yes, he is. You've got Trey Mancini, who might be the best story in baseball that nobody's talking about. Right. Man beat cancer last year and is back and is an all-star. Okay? That's flipping remarkable. Then you get Otani, who made it as a hitter and a pitcher, the first and only player to ever do that. Um, so, yeah, we've there's some remarkable storylines happening in baseball. I know the Trevor Bauer crap and the sticky stuff and who's going to get shellacked this time on the mound because they don't have the sticky stuff has taken over. But there are some great storylines. There's also uh, last night in the San Diego and uh, Washington game, a journeyman reliever for San Diego pinch hit with bases loaded against Max Scherzer got his first career MLB hit. It was a grand slam. Off of Max Scherzer. Wow. It's Let's the go. first time in 46 years a reliever has hit a grand slam in baseball. So, <laughs> Let, wow. Gotta love the natitude right there, Selzy, from your nets. Ryan Hallam, what are you bringing to the table? 
I'm piggybacking off of that because, you know, I don't have enough side games and fun things going on. I'm going to put something together for the home run derby. Four-man leagues, draft two guys each, see who comes up with the most home runs of your two drafts. Uh, I'm going to put that on Twitter later today, so follow me at Fighting Chance, and we'll do a little fun thing for the home run derby. It's, yeah, no, nothing going on for four days outside of maybe the NBA Finals, which could be over by then. So That's true. We, need, we need a little something to keep us uh, Well, Steve Pimentel would have a problem because there is WNBA. Oh, well. See, yeah. you had to bring that up. You, again, you had to bring that up. You didn't have to. Sorry, Steve. We love you. By the way, Ryan, I'll tell you this now. When it comes to fantasy big brother, man, you, you got me in. I'm just letting you know. So you're, you're side games. You are the master of fantasy games, my friend, in brackets. So I thank you for that. And you can, by the way, give Ryan a follow on Twitter at Fighting Chance. Because, again, you guys can get involved. A fun Twitter follow is Ryan. Give Matt Sells a follow for not only all of your fantasy needs when it comes to tremendous factoids, but also for NASCAR coverage as well. Because the Quaker State 400 is happening from Atlanta this weekend. And Sells is going to get you ready along with his buddy Dan Malin from FantasyAlarm.com. Getting you ready to win that checkered flag. You give me a follow, Justin Fensterman, at Fensty Sports on Twitter as well. For now, for Sells, Hallam and Fensty, and all of you all together, we are family. And not we always dominate because there isn't any other option. We just win. <laughs>